and read some comics from DC's yesteryear of publishing. You can hear us every week on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast, and this week we have a very special issue, don't we, Chris? Or at least very special to me. Yes, it is a very special issue that kind of sort of touches on our young animal thing last week. We uh, covered a first issue That's right. of, uh, of a Doom Patrol volume, and today we're going to cover the final issue. How does... How does that happen? How can you cover the final after the first? Well, I yes, I don't know. We are gonna we're gonna explain it all somehow, and you probably still won't get it. But today we're gonna talk about Doom Patrol number 121 that came out in October 1968, written by Arnold Drake, art by Bruno Premiani, cover by Joe Orlando, and these two stories within are the death of the Doom Patrol and the beginning of the end. But as we like to do, let's give a little bit of insight to our creative team. Uh, Arnold Drake, I believe we might have said a few things about him in the past. I think we, I think there might have been a three-parter we did on this fella back in the long ago. I think maybe, yes. Well, we'll fill you in a little bit so you don't have to go shuffling through your uh, your iPod. Or <laughs> uh, Arnold Drake was born uh, March 1st, 1924. He passed March 12th, 2007 in New York City. He was the third child of an immigrant furniture dealer. Um, at age 12, he got sick. He contracted scarlet fever, and uh, he was confined to bed for a year. Uh, while he was in, while he was laid out, uh, he created his own comic strip on uh, on bridge pads, which are you know little. Uh, I think you you scored bridge on it, right? Yeah, that was the idea. I mean, he, he turned it, I guess, probably horizontally, but vertically. It's supposed to be you score it's, it's it that way. To be like a, yeah, like a skinny a skinny long. But there's there's something like two by four inches, I would say, something sure. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and his uh his comic strip was about a mutiny, not on a pirate ship, but on a cruise ship. Yep, and I've never taken a cruise since. No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, over time, uh, the words started supplanting the pictures, so you know the the panels became all words and little pictures. So he decided that this was a sign that he was probably meant to be a writer instead of an artist. Uh, he would graduate from the University of Missouri and later New York University with a journalism degree. He co-wrote the uh, what is considered by many to be the first graphic novel, and uh, this was with uh, Leslie Waller, and it's called It Rhymes with Lust. It was published by St. John Publications in 1950, uh, with art by uh, Matt Baker, and uh, they used the pseudonym Leslie Drake, but we don't know why. No, why not? I guess they wanted <laughs> one author instead of two, looked made sure. neater on the cover. Absolutely. Um, now he got his first gig in comics through uh, Bob Kane, the uh, co-creator of Batman. Wrote The Return of Mr. Future in Batman number 98, which came out in March 56. Uh, he worked for DC Comics throughout the 50s while also writing at least one pulp novel, uh, some song lyrics, and I think he did a... Didn't he do the movie screenplay, or was that in the 60s? He, in the 60s, he did a movie screenplay for, I forget, the horror movie. I can't remember the yeah. title of it offhand. I can't remember. It was a it was a zombie thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, God, if I really the thought about dead it, dead or something like that. Something like that. He actually did a couple of things. He wrote a screenplay, and I think he directed that one, or he was involved in the production. But he and also there was did a one write on the beaches of Normandy. Yeah, he wrote a whole different movie, and then there was there was, there was also one that is I think somewhat pornographic. I can't remember. You know, that's a whole. Yeah, I think that featured like a rape scene or something like. That. This is this is all discussed in our three-parter, which is why we are fumbling around on it. But we did talk about it one other time, folks. So yes, it's we, out we there. We actually had our facts together at that. Time. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna go a little bit further into 1963. Uh, editor Murray Boltonoff asked Arnold Drake to create a team of superheroes to run in the flagging anthology title My Greatest Adventure. And uh, flagging might be a little unfair because this did have Fireman Farrell in it. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> which, which Arnold Drake wrote, he actually co-created that character himself, too, for the first issue of Showcase. And if you ever have a cat in a tree, you know who to call. He's the one. <laughs> now, this assignment was given to, uh, this, this Boltonoff assignment was given to Drake on a Friday and was told to have it in by Tuesday. So, uh, this was a... You know, very, very short uh, time span. Yep. Uh, so Arnold Drake and a, uh, a collaborator, uh, Bob Haney, mm-hmm. they hold up all weekend to flesh it out, but only uh, only Arnold Drake and Bruno Pr- Primiani get the creator credits, uh, which 
might just be as well because Haney only co-scripted and co-plotted the very first issue, the first appearance of the team, which was My Greatest Adventure number 80, and that was June of 1963. Yeah, uh, later in life, uh, Haney would you know lay a little bit more claim to Doom Patrol, but I, you know I don't think it was ever really contentious. I think it was yeah. understood that Drake pretty much was the mastermind behind Here's that. Here's the point. Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now we have. Giordano Bruno Premiani was born January 4th, 1907. He passed away August 17th, 1984 in Trieste, Austria, Hungary. Although it became Italy after World War One, as part of their war spoils, they acquired this bit of Austria, Hungary. So he he was born in Austria, Hungary, but he died in Italy <laughs> without <laughs> without ever having to leave his hometown. Uh, he studied at Trieste. Actually, he died in Argentina. Now that I think about it, but that's another story. Uh, studied at Trieste's Arts and Crafts School from 1921 to 25, and he was expelled from from Italy for anti-Mussolini cartoons, emigrated to Argentina in 1930. Uh, he continued to draw cartoons against this fascist government, and Mussolini's people said he would be executed upon return to Italy. So Crazy. Um, he was a persona non grata. He actually did come back in 1950 for his mother's funeral, but by then the fascist government was long over, and I assume he was allowed back uh, fairly freely. He moved to the United States from 1948 to 1952, a pretty brief time, um, which is funny. I I perceived him as having lived in in the United States, but that's just not true. He didn't live here at all. Uh, Found work at DC Comics, doing mainly romance and war titles, and he was known as the guy who could draw anything. Uh, I've especially seen people say he was really adept at drawing horses, but that was something that really served him well in the Doom Patrol with so many weird characters and scenes and everything, you know what I mean? Uh, sure. You know, animal, vegetable, mineral man is sort of an artist's dream and a nightmare, you know? Like, oh, <laughs> now i got to draw all these things. Uh, he's also well known for drawing the original Teen Titans, which was written by Bob Haney. I guess he probably could be considered uh, somewhat of a co-creator of the title, if not the characters. Sure. Uh, of Bruno Premiani being selected for the Doom Patrol in 2001, Arnold Drake said, uh, Murray Boltonoff's regular artists were all busy. That meant the Doom Patrol would get some backup artists. So pessimism was the password when Murray brought in a very lean, eagle-beaked, lantern-jawed guy with eyeglass lenses even thicker than mine, Bruno Premiani. Still, his, super, his superb draftsmanship, anatomy, and design work turned my prejudice to dust. Still, could he give the Doom Patrol the unique quality it needed, a quality I couldn't define myself? Bruno's first penciled pages told me we had truly lucked out. What he had recognized was that these superheroes must be as human as possible. He captured that spirit from page one and sustained it for 42 issues. Fabulous powers and fantastic enemies notwithstanding... The Chief, Rita, Larry, and Cliff remained real people. And I would agree with that. It, his his sure. work has a very uh, clean, realistic style, kind of in the mold of a Kurt Swan. Sure, um, I can see that. And and the, you know, it's, I want to be clear, it is different. I don't think that they are, he's biting off Kurt Swan or anything. No. But it's sort of in that same 50s realistic style. Well, I, you can even call it 50s advertising, because it really looks like mid-century advertising stuff. But I mean, he's fighting the you know these weird villains, these weird scenarios. He was able to handle all of that, and apparently, with very little reference work, from what I've heard. Hmm. So a little bit about the Doom Patrol. I'm going to introduce some of the members that will be important in this reading, as well as any other reading of this era of the Doom Patrol. We have Cliff Steele. That's a robot man. He's a brain in a robot body. Uh, Cliff Steele was a car. Uh, a racer, he, you know, he, he raced cars and got in a big accident, and they were able to preserve his brain, stuff it in a robot body. He's basically the Frankenstein of the team, and he uh, he appears in every iteration of the Doom Patrol up to today. He's the only member that is always in the Doom Patrol, uh, yep. seems to be no matter what. Then there's Larry Trainer, a negative man. He was a former test pilot turned into Electro Raven, which is essentially his power, which is to sort of let out an electric, what do they call it, a negative electric... The, the negative entity it, it's it's so it's so weird because it seems to be uh incorporeal but it all it also is tangible you know it's, it's like, also physical yeah it's like sometimes it is it's it's really hard to, it's sort of is very it's a very convenient power he has when he needs it uh mm-hmm. so he was turned into a uh into this this electro raven by a cosmic or space ray if you don't want to uh get step on marvel's toes for that one Sure. And he has to wrap himself in anti-radioactive bandages, and so he doesn't, you know, kill everyone around him. And so he he becomes the mummy of the group. 
And then there's uh, Rita Farr, Elastigirl. She was a Hollywood starlet given the ability to grow into a giant by some mystical hot springs. And for some reason, that that has, was handled in later runs, but never makes sense in this one. This ruined her movie career. I don't really understand why. That's weird, yeah. I mean, she I looks. The, that would open open doors for her. Sure. I mean, here we here here's the attack of the fifty foot woman without having to do any uh, you know special effects, just film her. Mm-hmm. But whatever that ended her movie career and uh, shunned her, and I guess she would be the fifty foot woman of the group. <laughs> and then there's Niles Calder, the chief. He's a guy in a wheelchair. He's the brains behind the Doom Patrol. Turns out to have had a hand in the Doom Patrol's resuscitations after the accidents. All of them uh, essentially, you know, brought them back to life or, or stuffed their brains in a robot body or whatever had to happen. Sure. Uh, and in, in this run, he's a very uh, life-saving, um, helpful character. He's very supportive of the team. Not sinister yet. That happens much later <laughs> under different people. Uh, he was paralyzed after removing a bomb that his, at the time, his like lab partner General Amortis placed in his chest, which is pretty messed up. Like, what's well, that? That's not a nice thing to do. Don't do that to your brothers, kids. That's not nice. No, <laughs> no that was the uh, that was like the main four there. But a little bit later on, we got some new members. Uh, we got uh, Steve Dayton, who was Mento. He wears a ridiculous helmet that enhances <laughs> an intel- his intelligence and gives him uh, telekinesis. Which, you know, really sounds like a good idea to wear a thing that uh, messes with your brain in such a way, doesn't it? Yeah, probably probably yeah, not great. Nothing, yeah, nothing, nothing can go wrong there. Uh, he's, he's a very rich man. We find out in this issue he's the fifth richest man in the world, hmm. which is something. Uh, we also, for sure. <laughs> we also have Garfield Logan, uh, Beast Boy, who we've talked about before. He's the uh, orphan green, fe- green, the dad, green kid who could turn into any animal. Um He's the, you know, we know him best from uh, the new Teen Titans. Uh, Steve Dayton would eventually ma- marry Rita Farr, Elastigirl, and they would adopt uh, Gar Logan, creating one of the oddest uh, nuclear families that we, uh, <laughs> really? that we didn't think of here. Uh, you know, that when you see them coming to the to the picnic, it's like, what? And, and the, the weirdest part about it is, is the helmet that Mentos wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the team was known to get into very strange situations. They had villains like uh, Mansoor Mala, who was a genius gorilla, and the Brain, which was a brain. <laughs> and they were part of the Brotherhood of Evil, and they they were not yet lovers. Um, Animal, vegetable, mineral man, and of uh, General Immortus, who we're going to meet right now. That's right, in Doom Patrol number 121. We're going to start with the cover. Uh, this one's drawn by Joe Orlando, but it, it, to me, I always thought it was unusual, uh, especially considering his artwork and other covers from the series, because it depicts the Doom Patrol, the members, all the, the, the four core members, standing over their own headstones, sort of looking yeah. mournfully down, and you, I think yours is, you, you have the uh, showcase edition, right, so it's black yeah. and white. Black the, and white. The way they're colored, if you if you if you pull up a color of the cover, they could be ghosts. It's not clear. Is it they're ethereal, right? They sort of well, they don't they don't really look like you know they don't have that dotted outline which was sort of like Silver Age shorthand for ghosts. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, it's it's hard to say. They can also be bl- made blue from the moonlight, and uh, the masthead is in is in all yellow, and it says, "Is this the beginning of the end of the Doom Patrol?" And then sort of a shouted word balloon comes out of the masthead. That says, you decide, um, which we will. Hey, we've talked about that before. That's right. Well, that was something else, but you know, this is similar, oh. a similar stunt, uh, sort <laughs> of in a way here. Um, and then on the very first page, we're addressed directly by the creative team, Bruno Premiani and editor Murray Boltonoff. It wasn't. Wait a second. Wait that's a second. right. I, the, I don't remember him being the writer of this book, but it, it wasn't wow. supposed to be that way. We have to, in order to explain what happened here, and possibly to explain why the Doom Patrol ended uh, so abruptly uh, in a sense we have to talk about Arnold Drake unionizer mm-hmm. now in the late 1960s Arnold Drake was heavily involved in a movement to unionize work for higher creators this was mainly to appeal to the writers though because the artists were relatively well paid they were making a pretty good salary per page whereas writers and it's, that's still true today writers to make a living usually have to take out a bunch of books um, I think that was even truer back then because a lot of times you might you wouldn't get a whole book you might just write eight pages so you kind of were taking on whatever work you get your hands on and that was the kind of guy Arnold Drake was by the way to just work you know he stay stay employed um, after many appeals to management in 1968 DC Comics agreed to an increase of a dollar per page 
but only for one book a month. The writers would trade that rate around as needed. Cool. <laughs> Which really, <laughs> they could have also reared back and kicked them in the nuts. That's another way they could have also handled this, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we're uh, going to call one of your mothers a whore every month. <laughs> every month. Well, only one, though. Everyone else's is fine. So uh, uh, Arnold Drake, rightfully so, was pretty insulted by this. Uh, he made no bones about it. He fell out of favor with the DC Comics. So the first page of this, it was intended to be Premiani and Drake. But before this comic was produced, Drake was a persona non grata at DC. And they erased his face and replaced it with editor Murray Boltanoff. Uh, which is pretty messed up. I think I've actually seen an original version with Drake's face on it, although that seems almost impossible. I think uh, that was on the uh, Comics Legends Revealed, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that might be where I saw it, but it, but like I say, it almost seems like... That shouldn't have been available. So unlikely, yeah. Like I, I, In those days, they would have taken Eraser right to the art board, most likely, yeah. but who knows? It's maybe, maybe they scanned it in first. Maybe, that's right. Maybe they scanned <laughs> it in and they uh, downloaded it off their phone. So, uh, yeah, so that's why we we see Boltonoff instead of Arnold Drake on the first page of the comic. Now, to get into our, uh, back to uh, our main story here. It opens with a two-page story titled The Death of the Doom Patrol. Now, we got Bruno Fermiani, like we said, he's sitting at his odd desk, drawing some Doom Patrol, and he asks Murray Boltonoff, who's sitting nearby, just making sure the job gets done, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What a shit, what a crappy office he has for an editor, right? Oh, I gotta yeah, sit, yeah. I gotta sit with an artist. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he's uh, he's asking Murray if it's true that the team's gonna die. He wasn't told how to finish the page, and you know this is why communication between writer and artist is so vital in making right. comics. Um, Boltonoff says it's true, but then he turns to address the jolly reader directly. <laughs> we can save them in a way that'll be revealed later in the issue, and. Uh, we were hoping that it's not to uh, make a wish on a shooting star because Reggie uses those all up already to get revenge on his enemies. That's right, yeah. I'll put something else, maybe, you know, an eyelash or something like that would work. Yeah, you could blow on one of those uh, dandelions. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that was a little recap describing the team. We get a rundown of who they are, what they do. Uh, Premiani says that they are people with big problems but even bigger hearts. But then we move on to our main story, which is the beginning of the end. This one, I, got, I just got to say something about the title of this. It's the punctuation hmm. just drives me up a wall. It's, because, it's pretty nuts. Because so the beginning of the end, it's got an exclamation point at the end, or as Eric calls it, an explanation point. An explanation point. And, uh, you know, that's, that's all, in quotes. That's in quotes, which is fine. That's that's typical comic book title. And then there's three question marks after that second, the close quote. So it's like, yes. come on. What, what is this? A, are we having, is that like an aside? Is that a parenthetical aside for the title? I don't know. It just throws I me up the, a wall. The, the, the typewriter jam. <laughs> must have Probably. Been. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, we, we join, uh, an ex member of both the brotherhood of evil and the doom patrol, as well as, uh, Niles Calder, the chief's ex lover. This is Madame Rouge. And she's decided to wage war on those who have played with her feelings. So, she blows up the Brotherhood of Evil's headquarters in Paris, France, with Monsieur Mallet and the brain inside. It's it's like a house. I know. It's just a house. I love it. <laughs> it's, just, it's awesome. It's just on a street, like you know. It's, it's not a, it's not some super secret you know cavern or something. Just a house yeah, on a, on a Parisian like a, street. It's like an opening panel on uh, on in Garfield or <laughs> outside of a house, um, <laughs> and the explosion propels them through the roof and about 200 feet into the sky. Uh, back at the uh, Doom Patrol headquarters, Calder is monitoring the situation, luckily, and he says that Mala and the Brain must be dead after something like that. And uh, Cliff goes, uh, "There's another fun group. There goes another fun group." So Larry goes, "That's okay by me," which. Uh, Pretty dark. Kind of a, yeah. yeah, kind of a dick thing to say. <laughs> really? Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, Niall says that Madame Rouge meant it as a warning to him. Uh, she was a, a bit ticked off that the, on, at the Brotherhood for turning her, her evil in the first place. And then at Niles for making her fall in love. Uh, this is like a, an elementary school crush where the crusher will antagonize the crushy, except with uh, explosives and bombs yeah. and whatnot. This is really just like, ah, oh, you made me have feelings. I hate you. It's like, come yeah. on. Grow yeah. up, Madame Rouge. Give me a break. I'm going to burn your house down. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just then, this is great. A car speeds by. Uh, the uh, Doom Patrol house there and uh, sprays machine gun fire at the building. <laughs> wow. Just, just roll down the windows and, and just start blowing it away. Drive-by shootings, baby. They were nothing new. 
No. Uh, the team hits a deck. Niles just kind of hunkers down a yeah. because he's in. I, I don't know if we mentioned, but he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. He's, so yeah, he's he, kind of like a Professor X from the X Men. This is um, a whole other that we dealt with some of that in the in the Drake bio, so we we're did. not going to touch that here, folks. Sorry. No, no, that'll be another another twenty minutes. Uh, the Doom Patrol is okay. But a bystander had been injured. It, it has been injured. A negative man speeds him to the hospital while Cliff retrieves the bullet casings from the scene of the crime for some ballistics check here. Yeah. And it's a, yeah. We you put an opinion in here. It's a I, I, that I agree with 100% here. This is a, this little aside here just shows that no matter how dire the situation, the Doom Patrol are heroes. Yeah. You know they don't look like heroes, but they are at their core they're heroes, and they're going to do heroic things. Yeah, at, at every opportunity. I mean, really, this this and without give too many spoilers, but this injured guy doesn't figure into the story again. He's just an in, no. a guy that got injured, and he, he could have been left out in a narrative sense. It wouldn't have really impacted yeah. the you know nuts and bolts of it. But just to show this shows that even while under attack, even while you know there's a threat against them. They're, they're altruistic. They're still going to do the right oh. thing. Yeah. Now, for some reason, Cliff, uh, he, re- he brings the, re- the retrieved casings back inside, and uh, they they find that one of the bullets didn't... It wasn't just a casing. It was an actual, actually a whole bullet. Uh, Niles figures it out instantly. He tells him to quickly shove it under a couch cushion, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> and the, this comic book is brought to you by Teflon Furniture Warehouse. <laughs> the bullet explodes. And it's... It just blows up yeah, in the just couch. Boom! boom. <laughs> but it it does shred one of uh, Cliff's forearms, mm-hmm. which you know I think that happened. I think Cliff got wrecked a lot. Oh, every issue. That was his yeah. shtick. Was that was that he could always get a new body, so he'd rip his arm off and throw it at someone, or you know whatever it was. And he does that that famous cover where he's getting perforated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that one. Yeah, he's getting. Yep. It's his body being destroyed was his was his superpower. That was his superpower. Uh, yeah, so you know this really wasn't a big deal that he was getting his forearms sh- shredded because there's probably a closet full of them. Uh, we got Calder quoting here saying, "Madame Rouge knew you knew you would think of the ballistics marks. Uh, she knows all about us. Didn't I generously take her into our little nest and teach her?" God, isn't that such a? I love that. Like, what a weird freaking reaction for him to have, but also so human, you know. God, you know, that's God. like, oh, sheesh. That's a, I just feel like someone would really be like that. So over to to uh, the fifth richest man in the world, Steve Dayton's mansion. He and his wife Rita are seeing some dinner guests to the front door, which is useful because it looks to be about a ten minute walk. It's a pretty At big least. mansion, yeah. Uh, in their luxurious bedroom with two beds, naturally. This is still the uh, 60s. Mm-hmm. Steve complains that he was up all last night waiting for Rita while she was out with the goon gang. This is a recurring thing that he thinks she should quit the Doom Patrol and be his, be a wifey, and she doesn't feel that way. Um, she retorts that this is the third his third business dinner that she's handled this week, Mr. Gutbucks. So obviously these are the cute names they have for each other, Goon Gang and Mr. Gutbucks. It's uh, very adorable. It is. Steve asks Rita when she's going to quit the Doom Patrol. Um, she says, when they no longer need me. You know that. And there's news of the drive-by shooting comes over the radio, so Rita suits up and she's right out the door. Uh, Steve Dayton smashes the radio in a, what I think was a very Kirby-looking panel. Would you agree with me on that? Absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's a very lot of foreshortening there. I... I mm-hmm. uh, it's it's it's. I think Premiani was definitely taking some cues from what was going on over at Marvel. The line work is darker. Yeah. It does. It seems thicker, it's thicker. and like the yeah. the fingers are blockier. Uh, it's just yeah. a little bit. A very Kirby, Kirby esque. I think is the way to put it. And like tells it. Marconi to drop dead, and he's uh, referring to Guglielmo Marconi, first Marquis of Marconi, who lived from 1874 to 1937, and he's known for his pioneering work in radio transmission. Uh, I didn't know that until I researched it. I always wondered who the hell he was talking about. I was wondering that myself until <laughs> until I saw your notes. Yeah, oh, okay. I thought maybe you'd missed a previous issue where Marconi was, like, yes. built their radio. <laughs> um, Rita makes it to the Doom Patrol headquarter and finds Cliff and Larry patrolling the place with machine guns. And that actually concludes the first act of the story, but there's no real uh, demarcation. Uh, Rouge flies three helicopters over the Doom Patrol's church-like home or headquarters and drops napalm on the building. Don't worry, says the chief. 
the building is fireproof. This comic book brought to you by Teflon Building Materials. Mm-hmm. When the fire burns off, panels in the roof slide away to reveal multi-missile launchers. Uh, wow, well, very well equipped. They take out two helicopters. They only wing the third one, so Negative Man soars up and just blows it to smithereens. Hooray for the good guys. <laughs> um, that helicopter pilot was one day to retirement, though. I should mention that. Also, you know, there's <laughs> almost too much crossover, but we had talked about how uh, in the late 50s, because of the code, they changed, like, the way... Uh, explosions and in, in yeah. military books were being depicted, and this, these are great examples. Just like big, beautiful puffs of noisy smoke. That's all that happens. No real wreckage. Nothing really happened. Um, looks very like cotton candy is formed in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, after the battle, the place looks wrecked. Uh, Larry says, "Looks like lo- like London after the Nazi Blitz." So, that's apologies to any UK comics readers that might be uh, <laughs> think that was a little too soon for that kind of comment. Uh, Niles says the warfare has endangered everyone in the city, which is why Wilmer Boggs from Washington, D.C. is strolling over right now to explain that until Madame Rouge is caught, they are a danger to the populace. So they're being told to leave, voluntarily if possible, and if not, deported by force. And he just stroll. I just love how he just strolling up. Like, there's just been napalm and missiles and helicopters. He just strolls right through the wreckage. He's got his briefcase. He's got his, you know. Just all low key, like, hey, guys. Yeah. Oh, uh, I got a message from Washington. Uh, you got to get the hell out of here. Um, it may not be. A, he does say that they have a safe place for them, yeah, but they end up not. They have a sanctuary. Yeah. They end up not using it anyway, so I, I don't know if it matters. Uh, Cliff blows his, blows his stack. At the that him being told they have to leave, but Niles agrees that they will vacate the premises within 24 hours. So Cliff pounds the wall in frustration and says, "Man, this is the worst to the bleeding, the bleeding end. The fabulous, furious, fighting Doom Patrol made to leave the country by some stupid computer in Washington." Blech. <laughs> just the sounds, the sounds these people make, I just love it. Yeah, and he but, doesn't even have a tongue. No, somehow he did that. I, I have to sound, actually sound a lot more electronic, you know. Actually, I can't do it, unfortunately. Maybe we'll uh, get the text-to-talk device to help us out there. Um, next day at the airport, a huge crowd is gathered to see the Doom Patrol off. And they have signs that read, So long, scared patrol. Bye-bye, crybabies. And fly away, chickens. And they're saying things like, Scram, you cowardly creeps. Boo! superheroes ha and how come you don't change your uniform colors to just plain yellow and you know this is something throughout all of the doom patrol the run yep. with with premiani and drake is that the, the the public hates them yeah uh it's it's something they tried to capture we'll talk about it later but in a later run and it didn't work like the public no. obviously loved them but that's another we'll get to that later on sure uh, Larry says, looks like our fans have all turned out. Rita says, don't pay any attention to them. Niall says, Rita is right. We must go with dignity. Mm-hmm. Now, Niles has been preparing a little spot for just this kind of a situation to occur here. Uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, or the Caribbean. Uh, <laughs> an island with, quote, a nuclear power plant, my friends, with enough juice to, to barbecue the whole West. Okay. Yeah. This is this is a dude who just got the was just threatened with deportation for opposing a public threat. Yeah. I mean, I mean you're, like, you're actually leaving during that deportation. <laughs> and he's going to somewhere where he could barbecue the whole way. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> now, uh, below this very island in a submarine, Madame Rouge has teamed up with Captain Zal and his army of frogmen. Which we were both disappointed to find were not literally frogmen. No, just scuba uh, scuba army. Just scuba folks. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, set to storm the island and overtake the Doom Patrol. Zal's annoyed at Niles for developing the radar and the anti-U-boat bombs that thwarted so many of his Nazi missions. Besides having also having put him in a weird uh, neck and back brace after they last tussled. Uh, this is going to be his first appearance here. Yeah, well, with quite a backstory, though, between them. Yes. <laughs> first appearance. They, 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 had, they had big plans for Ozal here. <laughs> uh, now, just when the Doom Patrol feels their safest, the scuba guys blow up their plane. Yeah. Um, Cliff uh, Cliff hops out, and he just, he just wallops them. He takes care of all of them over an entire page. He's just wrecking fools. Yep. Uh, we got a quote here of Cliff. What did you... What are you think you're going to accomplish by blowing up our plane? Negman can fly us all out of here in 17 seconds. Uh, the true. scuba guy, 
Yeah, it's true. The scuba guys chuck the plane's landing gear at Cliff, but Rita warns him in time for him to leap out of the way. Uh, Cliff chops down a tree with one hand and uses the trunk to swat the scuba guys into submission. Uh, Zal's submarine surfaces, uh, stunning Niles. We got Zal. I, I don't know if I can do a. Uh, Come on, you got, you got to try it. You can, you know, think of Colonel Clink. You can do it. <laughs> ja, Doctor Colder. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Your old friend Captain Zal. An unpleasant surprise. Nine. Especially since their War Crimes Commission declared me dead 15 years ago. The, the War Crimes Commission. <laughs> 15 years ago, he was uh, declared dead, and uh, no one followed up on. No, that, that's so. it. You know, no, that's all. Yeah. They, they, just, they put a dead stamp on it and went to lunch. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to wonder. Is he? Well, obviously, I guess he stayed uh, pretty much under the radar for 15 years. I guess, or under the sonar, as the case sure. may be. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Zal fires a missile at Larry that blows a cloud of, cloud of sand around him. Now, this weapon has charged the sand, so it, it kind of coats him in this sand, so he's unable to somehow release the negative man from his body. And we will just accept that as comic book. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Zal fires a steel net at an expanding Rita before she can grow to full size. Uh, too small to snap the net, but too ensnared to grow any bigger, so she's kind of stuck. You'd figure she could probably just shrink down and, and work her way out, but uh, <laughs> we'll just say that the net's haunted and, and move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Cliff tries to free Rita with his mouth. Mm-hmm. He tries to chew the net open, uh, but Zal fires a magnetic charge at him that takes him out of commission, permanently magnetizing half of the motors that control him. So he's kind of just, it kind of looks like he's having a seizure. He's just laying out. Yeah. Uh, Niall surrenders to Zal, but Captain Zal, he ain't done yet. He feels he must humiliate Niles for putting him in, putting him in upright traction. He says, what do you prize among all else, my democratic doctor? Niall says, uh, what are you getting at? Zal says, your image as a freedom fighter, nine. You would love to die for glorious mankind, ja. But would you die for their smallest part of it? And Niles is, he's getting ticked off. He's, stop these blessed riddles. Speak your mind. I, I want to point uh, out, too, the dialogue is written this way. Chris is not fetish. just being incredibly, I'm, uh, you know, insensitive. <laughs> I am reading this phonetically. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'll, I'll just say I've got some German in me. You know? <laughs> I, a lot of my friends are German, oh. so we'll get by that one. Uh, now, Zal tells him that the small New England town of Codsville, Maine, has a population of 14 people, and it's set to be destroyed in two minutes unless the Doom Patrol sacrifices itself. So the Doom Patrol have to weigh their, their own lives against 14 people they've never met. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Zal reveals two detonators to show he, he's not messing around. Neither of them are labeled, though, so hopefully he doesn't get them messed up. I hope not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zal goes, uh, but every verd v... <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> every verd v say is being broadcast to their world. Then you make their logical choice, all they'll know. I know I know why I got these lines now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then you make their logical choice, all they'll know that their great chief loves his skin first. Like any man. Two minutes. Now the Doom Patrol decides to do the right thing. Niles says, you heard him. Fourteen ordinary men, strangers to us. Well, my comrades, you must decide. Larry says, strangers, chief, didn't you teach us that all men are, are our brothers? Rita says, the pilgrims. They were just ordinary men, too. Not a genius among them. And Cliff, who's still seizing, <laughs> yeah. says, uh, and the Hebrew children, who wouldn't bow to the Pharaoh, just ordinary shepherds and farmers. And, uh, you know, Zal didn't really say the whole Doom Patrol had to die. <laughs> just just called it. Yeah, I mean, Larry, Rita, and Cliff could be like, oh, so long, dude. Uh, thanks for thanks for everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you get us another jet? Um, <laughs> the team huddles together. They hold each other. They, they like, join hands, smile, <laughs> and say, fire away. And moments later, the island is rocked by a massive explosion. We uh, get a we get onto the submarine here, and we see Madame Rouge is really really pissed off at Zal because uh, Zal swore that he wouldn't kill Calder. You know, she wanted Calder for herself, I suppose. Um, you know, <laughs> which begs the question: yeah. Why were they Why were they doing drive-bys and, and covering their <laughs> house with napalm if she didn't want this poor fool dead? Yeah, I mean, you re- you really tried your damn level best at it, so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she says, Zal, you betrayed me. You you killed him, a man who was worth a hundred of you. To which Zal replies, stupid woman, what I, 
What do I care about your childish love affair? Even until our last minute, he taunted me. But he will not taunt me again. Niles Calder and his Doom Patrol are dead. Yeah. Uh, the news of their sacrifice breaks to the world, and it seems like they've changed their tune about the Doom Patrol now. Uh, they really feel that their sacrifice was uh, glorious. The folks of Codsville, Maine, they agreed to change the name of their town to Four Heroes. Um, I don't know why they didn't change it to Doom Patrol, Maine. That seems sure. like that would be a little a better <laughs> tribute, but okay, fine. Um, and what kind of war criminal is Zal anyway? You kill the Doom Patrol and still trash Codsville. It's like, you know, do we have to tell you everything? Yeah, it's like, go ahead and do it. Yeah, what's, what's, <laughs> what's the big deal? Uh, Steve Dayton rushes to the spot in his yacht. Uh, the seas are still boiling from the explosion. This was a hell of an explosion, folks. Bad, yeah. Steve dropped just single rose into the ocean, a memorial for his fallen wife. Steve is thinking, you know, uh, thought balloons. Goodbye, my love, my only love. This is not your last resting place, Rita. Your shrine is within mine. Comics are fun and silly. Mm-hmm. Steve tells the captain to pull away. He's got some revenge to plot. And in the last panel... We're back to Premiani and Boltanoff asking the readers to write in if they want the Doom Patrol saved. Uh, curiously, Boltanoff in the panel below him, they address the reader as Charlie. Well, I don't know why. I guess it probably worked on a couple of Charlies, though, reading the comic. Be like, sure. gee, he's talking to me, you know, I better write in. Uh, they probably wrote in, like, who is the Doom Patrol? Uh, <laughs> and regardless of any letter writing campaign, this does conclude the vo- this first volume of the Doom Patrol. Um, I suspect there weren't a ton of letters, but the result would have been irrelevant since Drake was no longer working for DC Comics. I think they wanted to abandon this somewhat weird comic that was fairly... It had its fan base, but this was no, you know, no, no it Batman. It was a mainstream. No, yeah. this was not a mainstream big comic for them. So, um, I mean, it was something really unique to actually have a death in comics of this sure. time. And then even to finish, you know, finish a comic like that. But this wasn't the end of our yeah. uh, patrol. And actually, technically, it wasn't even the end of this volume, because in the early 70s, they there was a Doom Patrol number 122. Really? It was a reprint. Oh, it was yeah. all reprints. Okay. And there was a Doom Patrol number 123, and that was a reprint, and I believe that was the last one. But like we said, it's not the end here, so let's get into some other Doom Patrols that came later. Uh, Paul Kupperberg, he... Uh, he reintroduced a new Doom Patrol in Showcase number 94. Uh, this was uh, August, September 1977. It was a uh, three-issue arc uh, with a totally new team, except for Robot Man, mm-hmm. who was uh, who had survived and got a very strange new body yeah. and head. Very 70s very in, in its yeah. way, I always felt, but maybe that's just my me extrapolating. Yeah, it looks like, like an atomic diner, like kind of through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, they, they get they would get their own title again ten years later. This is Doom Patrol Volume 2, Number 1, October 1987. Uh, this time around, the team is set in Kansas City, which was to appease uh, Kansas City native Steve Lytle uh, and to get him to stay on the title. He drew the first five issues only and uh, before it was handed off to a very young uh, Savage Dragon artist, uh, Eric Lawson. That's right. The... Um, the invasion crossover came and killed a lot of the key members of the team. Uh, a lot, oh, pretty much all the new ones. Uh, like, uh, was it Karma and not? Well, Lodestone was a. Uh, I think he was kind of. I think Karma actually left, uh, and 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 Valerina Vostok, who was negative woman, like negative she, woman. she just went back to Russia. But Arani Desai, yeah. yeah, and she eventually would join Checkmate. Arani Desai and Scott. I can't remember his last name. Who never really got Scott a name? Fisher. Yeah, that's right. He 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 died there, and I think maybe Lodestone did. No, she didn't. No, no, she, oh, she, she showed up later. She showed up later. So I think it was just those two died, and the rest of the team just sort of went off to parts to re- unknown. Re- you know. Yeah. Um, they had to rebuild. This is this is that invasion crossover. So, uh, which was the you know the big gene bomb thing, and the aliens invaded, and uh, it was a it, it opened up a possibility for this title to go a different direction. That's right. Probably the most famous uh, run on the title to most people. This is the Grant Morrison-Richard Case run. They, they took over with issue number 19, February 1989. This is still volume two. A lot of people consider this to be a volume three. It wasn't. This is technically picking up right from where Paul Kupperberg left off. Um, it's brought back Niles Calder. It kept on Tempest, a.k.a. Joshua Clay, from the previous one, although I don't believe he ever used his powers, or once I can remember. 
Uh, he was always very reluctant. Very didn't really like didn't really yeah. like having to be there, but he was sort of there to help them with the transition, and he just sort of hung around the uh, headquarters. Um, they added Dorothy Spinner, who actually appeared in Cupperberg Larson's issue number 14, and Crazy Jane, and of course, Robot Man is there in a redesigned body that is closer to uh, the original one designed by Premiani, but still kind of a little chunkier and a little more jaw-heavy, I felt. Um, yeah. In this run, Negative Man becomes Rebus. Um, it's revealed that, and, and that's Lodestone, right? Well, it, no, no, Rebus is... Oh, that's uh, right, that's it's, right. It's him with a uh, a female doctor. Uh, a nurse, hospital, yeah. Yeah, because uh, it was... Because Rebus is, is a puzzle, and they wanted part man, part woman, part white, part black, because the doctor was, was an African-American woman. And uh, so it was the kind of like a perfect mishmash for this puzzle. And uh, I, I always liked the redesign with like the, the sunglasses and everything. It just, oh, big it time. It looked really cool. This is, I mean, still bandaged, but often, you know, yeah. wearing like uh, kind of pointed like... New wave. <laughs> These pointed cat's eye glasses, but yeah. also might wear like kind of transgendered clothing. It's 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 definitely Very really ambiguous. ambiguous, interesting character. I was thinking Lodestone did evolve though, didn't she become like? She had a, the big eye on her. That's chest. right. She became like like and Illuminati she, woman or something. And she went to explore the cosmos and was never seen again. Yeah, well maybe she'll come back in the uh, rebirth. We'll see. Maybe. I doubt it. Um, this one revealed though that Niles Calder he was actually responsible for all of their accidents. He caused them. To, to become the way they were. He didn't rescue them. He was the the driving Catalyst. force behind yeah. it, yeah. Uh, this also included one of my favorite, a, a one-shot comic, uh, Doom Force Number 1. This came out in July 1992. This was a satirical take on the more image-style 1990s comic. Uh, it's really freaking funny. And, and, and drawn... You'd be surprised not to know that to know that Rob Liefeld didn't draw this one. It's really yes. so close to his art style. Uh, it's written by Morrison with a boatload of artists doing their best Liefeld impersonations. A lot of them do a great job, and it's it's hilarious. If you if you can only get your hands on one issue, even though I think this one's pretty pretty expensive, um, this is the one it's to get. It's actually been collected though. It is. It, yeah. It's in the last volume of the Morrison uh, collection. It is it, it is in the collection, and I would tell you to get the collection is really what you Absolutely. should do. But if you feel like I only want I only read '90s style image comics, well, they have one of those for you too. Yes, and uh, it stars uh, did stars Dorothy Spinner. That's right, and and Shasta <laughs> the Living Mountain, one of my favorite characters. I love that guy. Uh, Flex Mentalo, that was a mini series that ran for four issues from June September 1996. This is written by Grant Morrison, art by Frank Quitely, and this is sort of a metafictional take on a character who appeared during Morrison's Doom Patrol, uh, but but now it's best known for the Charles Atlas. Uh, that kept that up the the uh, the season desist. That's yeah. right. The it kept that out of print for well over a decade. It is in print now. It's uh it's in a hardback at least, if not in a paperback. But it's really on point. This is this is really sort of a take on the old Charles Atlas comic strip. But we may or the ads actually it wasn't really a comic strip. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh we'll may talk about it someday because it's a pretty good run. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Each each issue is like in a different comics age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very interesting stuff. Um, now after uh after Grant left, the title was taken over by Rachel Pollock. Um, now this is the very first issue under the Vertigo banner, which a lot of people kind of think that it's you know Vertigo started with Morrison, but Morrison wrote zero issues. That were yeah. The collections are all Vertigo. The collections have been uh, reissued as Vertigo, but yes. they're not. But they're but the original comics are not. Yeah, just like Sandman and Shade. Yeah. Right. Um, and now, Swamp Thing, come to think of it, yeah. That's true, that's true, and that was way before. Yeah. Um, now, Pollock is interesting. She would write into the letters column during Morrison's uh, run, and, and it, was, it was very contentious with him. And uh, it, it, it got very weird, but I, I'm sure it was all put on after you know she took over the title. But uh, she takes over with issue number 64, which is March 1993. There were a few artists during this period, but uh, artist uh, Ted McKeever took over for the last 13 issues. I, I'm a big fan of Ted McKeever. I like, I like his art, yeah. Stuff. Me too. Yeah, like his uh, Metropole and uh, was it Eddie Current? Those were both very good. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the team moved to Violet Valley's Rainbow Estates, which is a twisted suburb where they inhabited a mansion haunted by ghosts who died in sexual accidents. Uh, this run introduced the first transsexual superhero. Uh, it's Coagula. Who could turn solids into liquids? Mm-hmm. 
Um, Niles Calder dies during this run. He uh, actually, in the first issue of this, he tears his own head off. And uh, and he's with Dr. Will Magnus, who puts it in a freezer. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the run, his head is basically sitting on a tray of ice. And it's alive. So it's he's still a character, but his head is on a tr- in a tray of ice yeah. in this Doom Patrol mansion. And he acts like a real prick the whole time, too. Oh, he's for, a jerk. For a guy that's basically a head on ice and, and is at everyone's, you know, whim. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't feel weird. You know, Will Magnus, I guess he got involved in uh Kupperberg's initial run, right? He's the one that redesigned Robot Robot Man's outfit, yeah. yeah. So he sort of he sort of lurks around the Doom Patrol in the He's periphery. There, yeah. yeah, always in, in the next in every uh, iteration or at least most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, after that it did get put to bed and finally uh, volume three. So all that was volume two. Yeah. Volume three began December two thousand one. That was written by John Arcudi, drawn by Tang Eng Huat. Went back from went back to the D C universe from Vertigo. And this was another all new team, except for Robot Man, assembled by Thayer Just for Just Industries. Uh, I always saw that as sort of a twisted take on Maxwell Lord creating the Justice League of International, yeah. but he basically wanted a corporate superhero a team. Corporate team, yeah. And uh, you know he tries to get uh, Robot Man, Cliff Steele, to agree to it, and there's a lot, there's a lot of interesting uh, back and forth there. This officially the second Robot Man shows up. It was very strange. Yeah, uh, there's even a, isn't this the one with the second Doom Patrol that has Metamorpho on it, right? Yep. And they're trying to like yep. yeah, it's 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 really I like this run a lot. It's really it's cool. Run. Not hard not hard to get your hands on. So if you are a fan, you should definitely look at it. And this uh, folds the Vertigo run into canon by addressing the fate of Coagula and Dorothy Spinner. So it's all together, folks. Mm-hmm, which we're about to tear apart. Because <laughs> uh, just a couple years later, August 2004, our old friend John Byrne came on. We got Volume 4 of the Doom Patrol, where he brought back for the first time in, what, 20, 30, how many years is this? That would be years? almost 40 years, yeah. Yeah, he brings back Rita Farr, uh, Larry Trainer, and Niles Calder, and they also had a Korean girl named Nudge who could control a four-armed gorilla who's... Uh, (laughs) He also added a couple other characters that kind of lingered on the periphery there. Uh, I think uh, we all had kind of high hopes for this series. Yeah. I mean, uh, you and I have talked about it a handful of times. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, this to me was like, wow, John Byrne, the vanguard of the Silver Age. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The the hero to, like, old school comics is going to come on. And this is really not fun to read guys uh it's also the art is weird we've we've talked about this yeah before also um i've always think it's it's hazelwood right does the inking hazelwood yeah doug hazelwood Mm -hmm. i I always felt it had to be the inking because you see contemporary john byrne art from the time and even stuff that's come out later and it looks great but this comic it there's something weird about it it looks unfinished Looks scratchy. Um, uh, doesn't look doesn't look burnished. Yeah, doesn't look. Uh, it's just burn-esque. I really feel like uh, it probably was uh, the inking, but I'm not really sure. It, it's it's strange for sure. But sure. frankly, if you didn't read this one, you wouldn't you'd be doing yourself a favor. Although it does get referenced <laughs> sometimes in the next run, Volume Five, by Keith Giffen and Matthew Clark. Uh, that began in August 2009. This also brings back the original Drake Premiani team minus Beast Boy. And later, Bumblebee, Vox, and Ambushbug show up, which, you know, tickled me to no end. Sure. They operate out of Oolong Island, kind of in the wake of the 52 series, right? Yeah. Um, like, what, what it all happened there. And this was canceled with issue 22 uh, in May 2011, just in time for... The new 52. It, that, that last issue, you have, a, you have a... Somebody lands on Oolong Island and says, you know, you're canceled, basically. Yeah. And Ambush Bug comes over, and they whisper something in his ear, and he goes, Flash what? New what? Yeah, what's a Didio? I remember that's <laughs> yeah, what I read. That's really cool. Yep. Um, but moving into the New 52, the Doom Patrol showed up again in Justice League Volume 2, number 24, in December 2013. Words by Jeff Johns, drawings by Ivan Rice, or Reese. Uh, this is the classic team plus Element Woman, which is kind of like a female metamorpho. Mm-hmm. Um, Niles Calder seems to be a prick again, which is no surprise, and has a he's a tantalizing pass with Lex Luthor. Uh, they were uh, they were even in the they were in the beginning of the next issue, and then they just weren't. Yeah, it was a real teaser, you know, like 
you know, reading it, I was kind of like, this could be interesting. Rita had a sure. thing where she had to, like, maintain her composure. Her pooping, or, yeah. Or she just turned to goop. If she wasn't, like, cheery all the time. And I think I, Larry Trainer was, like, suicidal. Um, but we never saw him again. We don't know what yeah. this is. This was a nothing team, and it doesn't matter because, as we know, Gerard Way and Nick Derrington have just started a new run in the Doom Patrol through the Young Animal imprint, and it just started last week. So I have no real information about it. Uh, yeah, not but, outside of what we've already said. Exactly what we said, and, and the, you know, I, if you want to jump on and become the expert of this run, now is your time. Start start getting the mm-hmm. comics today. Uh, and that brings us right to the present with the Doom Patrol, my favorite team in all of comics. Um, this was really a lot of fun to do this issue. You know, Chris had suggested it, and I was kind of like, eh, people are sick of hearing about Reggie talk about the Doom Patrol. And and you may be sick of it, but I still enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> um, I just find it so interesting. I find it so interesting that a team died in the 60s, you know? like yeah. so Nowadays, so that that's like, as you would say, that's Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, that's not a big deal. Teams could die, but this was this was unusual for the time, and I wonder if... You know what the reaction was really at the time to it, since there are no letters that came after the last issue. We don't know. Um, but if you know, or if you have any opinions on the death of the Doom Patrol or anything we've talked about, you can write to us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail dot com. And of course, you can read uh, the writings of Chris, myself, and the other fellows from the Weird Science team at weirdsciencedccomics dot com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. And before I do my usual spiel, I'm also going to mention the Waiting for Doom podcast. Uh, these guys have been holding the torch for Doom Patrol for a little over a year now, and now that the Doom Patrol is back, they're sort of having a, uh, a limitless celebration. Uh, you know, cool guys, they read a different issue every episode. Uh, they have a good patter. Worth checking out. You know, you, sure. you, you could do worse, and uh, their podcast is like you know, one-tenth the length of Weird Science, so you can probably squeeze it in there somewhere. And you could probably catch up on the archives, too. Probably, yeah. That would be a good <laughs> way to, if you want to get a little overview of, and they, they go all over every every uh, creator, every era, so it's, uh, I, I enjoy the heck out of it, and I've been listening to those guys for quite, pretty much since their beginning, since I'm a Doom Patrol fan, but besides that, you've got to go check out, Chris is on infiniteearth.blogspot.com where he reviews a new DC comic Every single day. Is there any Doom Patrol on there? I don't know if I ever noticed Doom. any. I did uh, the Morrison, the first issue of the Morrison run. I did, uh, I did 122 that reprint with okay. that animal vegetable mineral. Oh, I remember the reprint. That's right. Yep. And I was going to do the first issue of the Pollock run, but after reading it, I realized that I don't know that I have enough words in my vocabulary to uh, to adequately synopsize that and include all the backstory oh yeah so it's, it's, a little... uh, it's not a it's not one of those that would be very organic for me to write maybe you just throw up a scan maybe. that's all <laughs> just scan the pages and here you go figure it out yourselves folks this week uh whatever you should definitely seek all those out that we mentioned i, I remember the reprint one you're talking about now yep. because i remember i was like oh, i gotta see what he thinks of this stuff mm-hmm. um really funny really well thought out and uh your okay. thoughts at the end are really uh, right on point. So I recommend everyone look at that every single day of the week, or you can save it till the end of the week and look at you know a batch of them, whatever you like. Yeah, they're they're, they're two for the price of one on Fridays. Oh yeah, you've been doing two on Friday. Jeez. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh. you just get them. You just get them cheaper though. Oh, I see. I see. That, that's when you can really pile them in. You can get them in bulk. Um, yes. Well, you know, definitely take a look at that. Um, but I think that wraps us up for this issue of the Cosmic Treadmill. Do you have any other anything else for him, Chris? I, I think we're doomed. Well, until next week, when we will come back with some other comic, but I don't know what it will be yet. We, I want you to keep it on the treadmill fatally. I used to cop a lot, but never cop no drop. Hold mics like ponytails tight and bobble ops. Stop, stick around, come through and dig the sound on the fly brown 6060 cycle. Who throws a dick around? Bound to go three plat. Came to destroy rap. It's an intricate plot of a b-boy strap.